0: Hello, and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide to the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. It may interest you to know that I actually record that little snippet of sentence or two every single time for the podcast individually. I don't know why I do this, I don't know why I haven't pre recorded it, but that, once again, is not important. This week, I carry on my interview with Did and Grant of Empire. We carry on from last week to discuss things like what social distance gigs are like as a performer, trying out your newly written songs live and seeing how people react to them, and working at your band end goals and working towards those. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, strongly recommend you listen to that before carrying on here because it's direct conversation straight on from the previous week. If you listen to last week's episode, you'll also know that Stone was one of their favourite songs. At the end of the episode, you'll find out why. Anyway, on with the interview. What was your first gig after lockdown like? I think I'm right in saying you've actually had a few sort of throughout the last
1: year and a bit we've been pretty fortunate um the the, the band we all live in within uh the county of northamptonshire and throughout the you know the, the various lockdowns henrik was doing various live streams and i joined him on a couple um we also managed to do one electric gig in blackpool which was social distance during last year and a couple of shows a local venue where we're actually playing next weekend, uh, called the black Prince, which is, um, one of the Northampton venues. So the, I mean, w- we were fortunate in that respect. It was good to be back on stage that that's been the main, um, thing for empire though, with the pandemic, how we've been affected is the absence of being on stage, the live music, you know, cause we're a band that want to get out there as much as possible prior to the pandemic, we just got off the back of playing one of our biggest events with planet rock called uh, winter's end. And we'd had such a brilliant reception uh, from that audience. Then we did a couple of tour dates with a band called Dax and Roxanne, and then this hit. So we, we had a lot of cancellations, but we did get some shows in last year and we are gigging now. So, um, it was great. It, it was, it was great to be back. That's, that's my answer. You know, that was, that, uh, we had, a. Uh, you know, good crowd. there were some acoustic shows and one electric show.
2: It felt quite different um doing those gigs because you almost get used to gigging every weekend and it becomes the norm. So after yeah you know, a long period of of not performing, actually getting back on stage again was quite exciting and uh, had nerves again, which is not something I've kind of had for a while.
1: I'd agree with that. yeah, I'd agree with that. The nerves definitely returned, yeah, because of the absence. Uh, certainly, uh, this this last lockdown has been probably the longest. Uh, our first gig was, when was it? About a month ago, Gran? Black, where we were back at the Waterloo? It's, it's been that long already.
2: Yeah, probably about three weeks, four weeks, something yeah. like that, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely there's, there was some apprehension in terms of like, oh, we're getting back on, we had a really good sound check and everything and getting gig fit again. I think the nerves were kicking in. Definitely, definitely for for the first return to the stage.
0: Was it one of those things where you're internally going, can I remember how to do this (laughs) kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit like, you know, a skier who get they say in skiing, the phrase is you get your ski legs back, you know, just like uh, after if you have an absence of like sort of six months of not skiing and then it takes a good, you know, hour or so, two hours to get them back. And then you're back to normal.
2: Yeah, it's not the same, is it? As in playing in the rehearsal room or you know, rehearsing at home is, is very different from being on stage. And so, yeah. you know, it's kind of, there's the performance aspect, which yeah is, um, you kind of take for granted, but it is something you do need to think about. You know, how, how are you being perceived on stage? And, you know, you're not just looking at your fretboard all the time and, and putting in a show. It's you know, It's not the same. And if you don't do it, which we weren't able to then yeah you know, that does suffer. So yeah we've got to get gig fit again. So yeah I'm pretty happy with, with what we've done so far uh, so far sort of with the, with the lockdown easing and the gigs have done. Yeah you know, we've um, sort of rapidly getting back to where we were but it's going to take a, a little longer to kind of get everything back and hopefully better.
0: I've um I've actually yet to go to a gig since lockdown's lifted. I've got one that I'm planning on going to in a couple of weeks. I'm very very excited but I I guess a question I've got is what's it like as a performer when you're in a venue and everyone's sat down and maybe they're at tables as well, which is a very different experience to a a quote-unquote normal gig a year and a bit ago.
1: It does feel different. Uh, It does feel limited. Obviously, it's not as engaging and the, the atmosphere and the vibe the vibe is different in that respect. But as long as people are enjoying it, which, you know, by judging by the people that are happy to come out and pay for the tickets and fill up a venue and sit on seats and have table service, that's the main thing. And as long as we can uh, deliver a, a good show all round in that respect too, but definitely the preference is normality, you know, for people to enjoy shows off stage as much as, the musicians enjoy them on stage.
2: What was really humbling and very, very cool is the gigs that we did do. You know, between lockdowns, when things were relaxed, people were coming a long way to come and see us. So when we played, you know, locally for us in Northampton, the Black Prince, uh, we had some Empire fans coming from well up north, coming to you know, see the show. You know, driving for hours and hours. So it it was seated, but, you know, it was still pretty special.
0: So moving over to a different uh, side of the band, how do you approach songwriting as a a band?
1: Uh, So songwriting, uh, that can come come from various, you know, influences and things. Generally, uh, myself or the lead singer, Henrik, might have an idea for a song, a riff, uh, a lyric idea that can come from so many different kinds of inspirations, and then we'll we'll basically work together to shape a song and add lyrics and uh, maybe record some ideas demos and they're always changing you know certain uh, we we always have stupid names for the original ideas like so current ones are like things like panasonic screwdriver card factory uh there's there's been plock turtle plock plock turtle there's there's some they all have s- silly names creepy steve uh <laughs> you have to but they're nothing to do with the song they're nothing to do with the song it's just a signature thing with empire that that any kind of song idea and then it kind of goes into a folder where we can build it with uh phone recordings or demos or anything And then we generally exchange myself and we'll send it to the guys. You know, we've got this, this idea and things. And what do you think of this? And then we'll try and shape an overall song structure format with parts. And then the real exciting stuff starts to happen when we bring it to Grant and Elliot and they can use their creativity to add their parts and try their ideas out and, we're ve- as Grant said earlier, we're very, very pedantic and specific with every aspect of notes and groove and cymbal hits and tempos and pitching and harmony and solo here, solo not here, too busy solo. We're ve- that's when the real exciting stuff happens, where we break down songs in the rehearsal room and they take, they, they take on the form that will then go into the studio we always prepare in advance in the studio in terms of having full demo shaped to tempo, uh, a general, pretty close to the, uh, uh, as much as we can. And uh, yeah, generally that's a songwriting process and ideas and influences can come from so many, so many different areas of life. So if I, if I think about uh, some of the tracks of self-aware, our electric album, so uh, My Bad is a song Henrik kind of put together with a riff idea, uh, a cool delay thing and, and, and lyrics and everything. And that's about me and him arguing on Messenger. <laughs> you know, that's his, his perspective of us arguing about band issues and, you know, various things. Uh, Just a Ride is a philosophical song uh, that is lyrically and uh, an ode to the late great Bill Hicks, uh, who's a favorite comedian of mine who had a monologue speech about how uh, life as an experience for an individual is much like the ride on a roller coaster that has ups and downs. Um, homegrown is kind of a, uh, an observation of the damage in uh, beliefs that religion can have on on, on someone's life, you know is uh the uh, how people can be sort of like programmed and uh, disillusioned by you know religious doctrine and that self belief and uh, m- might be a little better only way else kind of like indirectly about self belief too close was inspired by the yin and yang idea of like uh, duality uh, and i thought you know slipknot have done a song called duality <laughs> but ours is completely different and it's kind of got police iterations and it kind of tackles that you know you can't have the good in life without the bad you can't have up without down it's all those kind of opposite ideas alongside personal struggle as well in life you know personal struggle that uh, I've had to contend with at certain points in my life so they can come from all sources in terms of inspiration sometimes it starts with a a word or a phrase sometimes it starts with a riff or a melody but like i say the the real interesting stuff creatively is when we get the drums and the bass into the practice room and we start you know shaping the track and then we love to gig test them we love to gig test new songs uh our recent performance was at love rocks in in bournemouth and we gig tested two brand new songs so Stuff like that is is really cool to see our creative efforts, how an audience responds to a track yeah. never, never heard before. And uh, yeah, that's, that's generally it, Phil. I think that uh, gives you a bit of an overview.
0: I think it's something that a lot of bands really underestimate is that gigging experience because how a song plays in the rehearsal room or even you know on the computer if you're demoing it is very different to live because you might want some parts where you can have say the audience chanting along or whatever it is and you, you you're right you don't know if that's going to work until you actually go out there and try it so we have gig tested tracks which are then not
2: worked at all so the opening track the self-aware uh, my bad uh, the first time we played that, that did not go well. Um, and we had to take it back and rework the track. But as uh, as, a, as a result, it works much better, and it is what it is now. Otherwise, potentially, it wouldn't have been. Um, we wouldn't have got to that point with it. Where it is a bit tricky, with, with lockdown, we have written a lot of music, but what we haven't done is that gig test. A lot of self-aware was gigged over months or years before it was recorded, Whereas you know, the next album, which uh, a lot of it is written, but we haven't done the gig testing. So the first two tracks that we've gigged have gone down pretty well and worked pretty well, which I'm happy about. So fingers crossed for the rest.
0: Because I guess you don't want to go into a gig and go, here is entirely new music you've never heard before.
2: Well, a lot of the people we're playing to um, may not have seen us. So at the... For example, at the Love Rocks festival we just played, there are plenty of Empire T-shirts in the crowd. But we know from talking to people at the merch stand afterwards, there's plenty of people there that haven't seen us before or had heard of us but not heard our music. So there are plenty of people that even the existing stuff will be the you know, it's, it will be new to them. So, I'm not too worried about that.
0: You mentioned the idea of going into the studio and recording. What? How do you record yourselves? Do you go kind of DIY, or do you go into the studio, or is that kind of blend of those approaches? Well, the
2: the demos are recorded in home studios, and over lockdown, we've all had to kind of adapt and border, uh, build our own little home studios to then um, work together and collaborate on on tracks. So, we'll get demos done up to pr- a pretty reasonable standard which then go to our producer before we get into the studio. But when we record the albums, then they, they are done in the studio. Self-Aware was completely done in the studio. The other side was mostly done in the studio. I think there was some on-location piano stuff recorded. Uh, and my bass parts, you know, we did at Henrik's, uh, you know, straight into um, DI. But apart from that, it was all done in the studio.
0: Is there any reason why that is your primary choice of location to record?
2: There's the quality of the environment, you know, the the speakers, when you're you're your home studios, you know, working with your sort of headphones and laptop and cheap mics, it's not the same as going into a studio with uh, an engineer who's very experienced who understands a space, uh, understands how to mic something up, how to get the best sounds? Uh, you know, the, the the engineer also acts. You know, Neil, that parlor acts as a sort of producer as well. So, is kind of when you're going through that process, almost like a member of the band. It's it's important. You know, it's um, you know for consistency.
0: It's also a space where you can be loud.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's it's a big advantage that that you don't have to find creative ways to record things like drums. You you can just do it wherever in the studio.
2: But yeah, recording drums is quite quite the art. So it's it's not a case of sticking in a room mic. You've got to know where to position them, and also tuning, and having access to in studios as well. They'll typically have a, quite a lot of equipment. So while I drum will have his own kit and snares on a particular track, there may be actually you know what a wooden snare here would would sound better, or a brass snare, or something like
0: that. So it's 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 also a space where you can be really. Um creative isn't it that you can try some weird and wonderful ideas
1: yes the science laboratory you know the studio is uh, particularly as well for like recording guitars certain uh, guitars you know with like my amp sound on it but like for dublin you might want a, a more aggressive sound and especially for like capturing pure acoustics with a nice room sound of things acoustic guitars can be quite difficult to um capture um the, the classic thing in a studio environment is that the, the sound of the, the hand movement on the frets and everything and you can have like literally to get to the purest you know natural room mic sound of capturing a, a, an acoustic guitar's tonality and with, with the right kind of microphone you, the, the results are just like the they're, they're diff, diff, different league in terms of just like recording your acoustic guitar at home so it's I think it's the degree of professionalism and the gear available the environment and yeah like, like you say that the the creativity is like a laboratory and um for like other musicians listening I think preparation is key if you can have demos and everything in advance know your parts you know being, being able to execute them as as best as you can know what kind of sounds you want uh, in your head and uh, don't be afraid to ask questions and try and record as if you know, you're know you playing live to some degree. you know. So uh, try and play with the same conviction, and the same attack that you play live uh, because it, it is a different experience recording in a studio with the red light going on compared to at the end of a night at a gig when all the adrenaline's there. So if you can try and capture that Play in essence with recording. That's uh, that can certainly make a difference.
2: Well, you need to capture the essence. It's, it's also there's no there's nowhere to hide in the studio. Yeah, if anything is sloppy or, or not quite right, yeah, it's it's going to be heard. In a live mix, you can get away with quite a lot. Yeah, particularly yeah, in a, if you're playing sort of uh, heavy, loud tracks. You know, yeah, some sort of uh, yeah loud rock kind of uh, sound. Then there's a lot of room to hide. It doesn't matter if you're a little bit loose or if you don't quite get all the right notes in the studio. If you're recording, yeah, that's going to be recorded and you'll play it back. And yeah, there's nowhere to hide. So preparation is absolutely key.
0: Yeah, and the other, of course, the other good thing about a demo when you go into the studio to record the the proper thing is if you're doing um, a recording approach where you do one instrument at a time, it means that the drummer has so much more to listen to of a complete track rather than just a rhythm guitar.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, working with a click in his ear. Yeah, just playing off certain things, it's, it's a real asset. Yes, good point.
0: It makes for much better music at the end of the day, I think. Yeah. So how is the band managed? Do you have a sort of single point person or do you share out tasks? How do you go about that?
1: We're, we're actually with a uh, company called uh, Rock People Management, RPM, and we've been there with them for a number of years. Terry's the head of that uh terry's got a team and we've also got um dan alongside us who's from earache uh ex earache records as well so he's a a really really good asset and uh the, the kind of the management is they they help with the the development and growth of the band as well as the the festivals and then Henrik's sort of a, a massive asset to the, the band as well, because he's got a huge business background as well. So he's, he's he's just really, really intrinsic and clued into the the logistics side of things and management and, you know, running a smooth ship. So primarily um, we have a management company we work with that's a team and, and Henrik alongside of that, who I, I kind of share responsibilities with. But generally, in that respect, I'm very much following his lead because of his experience, and he's just so good at it. And um, then, yeah, the, the the duties are then shared amongst the musicians as well in terms of taking care of social media, taking care of uh, you know all, all those aspects of you know contacting companies and promoting and. You know, it, it's a it's a team effort. I'd say Phil is the best, but we do have management.
0: How did you um, find them, or did they find you?
1: <laughs> a bit, a bit of both, really. We we were aware of of RPM, and I think uh, what happened was Terry managed to catch one of our early self made drive videos, which we filmed in a car park in Birmingham. Really, really nice car park. It was actually one of my students' car parks and i think made the contact there and then we went up myself and henry went up to lancaster for a uh, a meeting and at the time she was just starting off in management she had a lot of uh, background in the music industry and a lot of european experience uh, you know with uh, companies like hrh and kind of branching off her own as a manager and was very intrinsic in the success that M- massive wagons have had because that's her partner's band and they're they're now a charting band and they they have played arenas and things so uh yeah she's um she also manages us nice people to be
0: with it sounds like to me so when you were going up to that meeting and you were going to have to chat business talk <laughs> about the band and things like that how do you prepare for that kind of meeting
1: i think um Well, you've got to try and look at things objectively, and we're in a creative industry. But I think any any band has got got a kind of approach. You know, what's the end goal? What what one of the 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 real useful things with having Henrik at the forefront is prior to meeting to Terry, we, we were going for various consultancy meetings with various industry people. We ended up in London. We I think we ended up somewhere. So uh, we ended up somewhere in Manchester, meeting various industry ex-label people, you know, that had been in the industry for twenty years. Ex, you know, PR or current PR people and current, you, you know, people working in the, the music industry. We managed to meet quite a high-profile um, character that was now independent, and he, he'd worked with some some serious. Um, music industry labels at the, at the highest level but was now kind of independent and working with various companies he sat us down and he said okay guys so listened to the music what do you want to do he said i think me and enric literally would we were still kind of trying to form form the band he said what what's the end goal here do you want to record albums do you want to uh, be a successful touring band Do you need booking agent what, what what's the end goal and me and Henrik both agreed that what we wanted to do with Empire is play the biggest rock festivals, be a part of the lineup in Europe and the UK, be on those big stages, secure those big t- tour supports, you know, with uh, international bands. And that's the the direction we, uh, we wanted to pursue. So I think for people looking at management, you've got to know... Kind of what? What is your what is your goal for the band? What do you want to achieve in the long run? Because if that doesn't marry well with what you want to achieve, you might not need management. You know, if if you want to, you might be able to do just as much independently, and you know, in your own, depending on your goal. So have have kind of a, an idea of a path where you want in the long run for the band to go. And then you can, management can discuss short term plans and, you know, release schedules and things like that, but have an end goal with, and that's what we're we're, we're pursuing. We're we're always chasing um, that end goal of playing those huge festivals and developing the band to that level. So,
2: yeah, just to build on that, it is important to set objectives. So you got to know where you want to get, but also in those sort of short, medium terms, kind of have a... A list and agree with management what is it that we want to achieve because you need to kind of measure performance against those and if you're not hitting those objectives you then got to analyze them so you've got to yeah even though we're some musicians you have to think about the business side of things as well Um, if you're paying management then you need to make sure that you're getting your money's worth and it's important that you can measure their performance and also, it's important not just to kind of measure performance, but also if you're not hitting those targets, why aren't you hitting those targets? You know, is it something in the band that you're not doing? Um, are you taking the wrong approach? So you've got to be analytical at the same time.
0: I think that's something that a lot of musicians struggle with, unfortunately.
2: So we're an interesting bunch in Empire. So Henrik's come from comes from sort of a, a business background. I work in as a, as a day job in IT, so I'm used to doing quite a lot of analysis and sort of uh, planning and project management. So you find sort of
0: those elements of what you do in your day job can sort of creep into, into your music. It's a very handy set of skills, I must say, for a band <laughs> to have that kind of switched onness to know what you need to know for the business side of the band.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: What would you consider is your biggest success as a band so far?
1: Grant, what would you say?
2: The busy, biggest success so far, I think, for me, is probably Winter's End. I think that was a, a culmination of a lot of work, which kind of came together in one really special gig. It's one of those gigs that could kind of could have gone either either way because of the the circumstance. You know, we had illnesses in the band and some accidents and mishaps. You know, before the gig, which put challenges. It, it may have not even gone ahead but it went ahead and it was one of those gigs where it was packed. Yeah. We got an incredible reception. There were important industry people in the room who saw us for the first time and and got what we were trying to do. There was a a bit of a buzz going around about, you know, that performance. We had a, a 45 minute queue at the merch stand. We completely sold out merch. And I think that sent a message and off the back of that, a lot of doors have kind of opened for us. And so, yeah, that's definitely, you know, one of the, the pinnacle moments, I think, for Empire and quite uh, a bit of a, a kind of, there's lots of things that have happened because of that gig. And unfortunately, with lockdown, you know, that's kind of limited what we've been able to do and capitalise, but the doors that have opened haven't closed. So, yeah, I think, so. Yeah, today, I think that's pretty much one of the most important gigs and moments.
1: i definitely echo Grant's sentiment on that winter's end was definitely one of our best gigs ever with with that kind of response and the live sound and just that the majority of the people in that audience hadn't seen empire before and we got booed at the end because they wanted more which is always the that's always the right way to go it's difficult for me to reach a summation of like the biggest success of the band because there's been so many high points you know so far on this, you know, cli- use the cliche word journey. Just just off off the top of my head. I mean, we're a rock band that have got to collaborate with uh Whispering Bob Harris. You know, we've had the opportunity, you know, to to record and do a session with that iconic radio uh presenter and meeting Bob, you know, he is he has literally recorded and worked with and interviewed some of the biggest names in the music industry and just to, just to have that opportunity is, is a big deal. Um, other things, we, we've been fortunate enough to land some unsigned gigs. Uh, Arena Birmingham, which is now, I think, World Resorts Arena, opening up on their unsigned stage before the Eagles. The actual Eagles on uh, playing to all their fans. Uh, same setup, playing to Shine Downs fans, Alter Bridges fans, uh, things like that. Various festival experiences. I mean, stuff like uh, even when we released Self-Aware, we did an album party in London where we hired out the water rats to celebrate it. And we sold that place out and had a coachload of people travel from various parts of the UK down to London, fill up a coachload of people. And just seeing that was kind of like a rock star moment. And there there has been so many high points so far. It's always good to reflect on on those experience, because it's why we do it. It's, it's why we do it. You know, it's a labor of love. Uh, Being, being a musician is a lot of graft. You've got to really want it. You've got to really want to dedicate yourself to it. And the reward is in those things that you can reflect on and think, yeah, this is why we do it. So there there has been, I mean, the, the the UK press response to self-aware was a massive highlight getting the attention from, magazines that i read as a kid you know going into wh smith reading magazines and then seeing the same people talk about our debut album and giving it the thumbs up is just like um they're the kind of pinch yourself moments and, and and just also little things like in an audience when uh, after a gig when somebody comes up to you and they they tell you how much a song means to them we, we, we've got one fan that's been to one show he's been to winter's end and over the past year he's got two empire tattoos he's got he's got lyrics i penned in a little room uh, a few years ago tattooed on him permanently and he's seen us once and he's got uh, and the empire leon emblem and stuff like that is just like that, that is really unbelievable so there, there's to, Long may they continue. Long may they continue.
2: So one of the really cool things for me as well, I've got a couple of young kiddies, is you know with all the um when we're going through the self-aware release, you know, going into a shop and opening up a magazine, and there being a, a picture of me and the rest of the band, and the kids seeing their dad in magazine, well, yeah, you know, was quite special.
1: Uh, that, that reminds me of uh, when your wife was in, I think it might have been uh, a supermarket or a WH Smith, and. She flipped the classic rock cover and John Lennon was on the front, and your daughter went, Da da! <laughs> and pointed exactly, to, John, yeah. to John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone with long hair and a beard. He could was be in daddy. the hippie phase. That was the the hippie phase yeah. of the Beatles. Yeah, that was, that was a classic moment.
0: <laughs> so, my last question um, it actually links into something you were saying earlier about having plans and thoughts kind of moving forward what are your goals for the band in the next six months to a year
1: or so i think we have got a very very healthy gig and festival schedule lined up over the next six months which we really want to capitalize on judging by the last two we've we've got a tour booked in september going all over the uk with another charting fantastic band called mason hill and the Star, and that is going to present our music to a whole new fan base and a lot of new locations so uh, definitely within the n- next six months the festivals we've got steel house which is a big festival we've never played um, we've got various other festivals happening south Fest, we're hopefully going back up to uh, wildfire as well to play the bigger stage there yeah that's that, that's happening as well and as well as sporadic gigs throughout the next six months and just really the absence of gigs over the last 12 months, definitely to capitalize on that is, you know, and do our best efforts live and grow, grow the fan base in that respect and develop the band and develop the live show. We've also been recording, you know, we've all, we've been in the studio. So part of now we've got the raw material you know, we'll be, uh, you know, whether we need to go in and do some other things with edits and re-recording, will be very much starting the mixing and post-production side of things. Uh, I think I'd like to collaborate more with some companies. We, we collaborated with Yamaha last year and Guitar World, and, uh, you know, I'd li- like to develop our relationships in the industry uh, in that respect. Improve musically naturally, get the band tighter, improve the live show, and continue to write, continue to write new material and uh, develop that aspect of the band moving forward. That's just off the top of my head, grant
2: Well, I think you've pretty much covered most things, but yes, gigging, you've got a, a very busy gigging schedule. So we've got the Black Prince on the 26th, and then July is looking crazy. we are Still House. We're playing with Those Damn Crows at Tivoli in, um, in Wales. Then Savfest, Wildfire. And we've also got the platform with Massive Wagons and Trucker Diablo in August. And as you said, we're, we're out on the road for, I think, is it three weeks with Mason Hill and Holostar. Um And then I think there's some other bits in between as well. So gigs are looking healthy, super busy, and as did said we're going to be very busy working on on the second album and trying to get that ready so yes lots
1: and lots to do
0: i've got to say um in terms of your next things in the next six months year, it sounds like there's a bit of
1: everything coming forward yes everything musical all musical
0: so finally i'd like to ask if we can play your favorite song from the band to play at the end of the podcast so which song is that and why oh
2: that's, that's a good one Um, I'm going to pick something from the other side. I'm going to go with stone from the other side. Um, It's a great track and I actually prefer it. Uh, I think it's stronger than the electric track is great as well in the acoustic form. So, yeah, that's my choice.
1: OK, for me, I that's a very difficult question, Phil, because I tend to not do favourites and favouritism. That's like asking, like, it's like asking Grant, what's your favourite child or, you know, like, what's my favourite cat? I love all cats. So, you know, from uh, Siamese cats to lions. So for me, I'm going to uh, relate it to the present and how I'm feeling today. Where we film, uh, equally with Grant, I'm going to select something from the other side. And uh, I had a message through earlier about, um, from the studio where we filmed uh, Only Way Out, and it featured a grand piano by Yamaha, which then led to the collaboration. And they've asked, that uh, they're, they're doing some new promotion for their studio, Crescent Studios in Swindon, and they, they want to use Only Way Out as one of their main videos to showcase the studio and I said yeah no that's absolutely fine so I'm going to go with Only Way Out which you will see well you'll hear but if you want to check out the video just head to our YouTube channel you will see in the video one of the best pianos I've played on in my life and I I didn't realize it at the time but when we researched the piano the day afterwards we found out the value of it it was close to a hundred and fifty thousand pounds and i was like i pretty hit i hit those keys pretty hard the day before and i kind of wish i was a bit more sensitive but uh that it's a really cool video and i hope your listeners enjoy the track
0: well mm, well this is a bit of a controversial moment um i can only really play one of them unless i play one after the other i don't mind yeah that'd be great play one after the other uh, otherwise um go with the uh, only way out very well let's play i'll play but i'll put on both of them so this is empire with the only way out guys it's been really great to talk to you thanks for having us phil great thanks for having us thank you <laughs>
3: Each time that I be